0: 1 Thessalonians, and we're looking uh, tonight in chapter number 3. And this is a new text in this little uh, series that I'm doing on Sunday night. I'll just remind everybody real briefly, there may be someone who is watching the program or participating that have no clue what we've been doing. But a long time ago, and it's been so long I don't even remember From the book of Galatians, I was preaching through the book and got stuck on chapter 6. And one key verse that's uh, found there is that God is not mocked, that whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And I just felt led to think about those good things that we can do. He talks about sowing to the Spirit and reaping life and sowing to the flesh and reaping corruption. And uh, so I've been preaching on sowing to the Spirit and come to that point where uh, I believe that one of the the most effective ways that we can sow to the Spirit is in our prayer life. That part of our experience that really doesn't necessarily or have to involve anybody else. It's between me and the Lord. Between me and the Lord. And learning to pray as the Spirit of God burdens our hearts for the things that we need to pray for. And of course in these texts that I've chosen to use of late, uh, it's about praying for the church. And uh, I just believe if we find in in the New Testament or find anywhere in the Bible where someone uh, prays specifically about something that, that is acceptable to God because that was something that was inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is the Word, and if Paul or whoever else could pray for something specific, I believe that I can do that too, and I can pray for the church in the ways that I find it in the Bible. So we come to this part uh, tonight, and I want to read, start off in chapter 3, uh, read from verse 10 down to the end of, end of the chapter, and uh, here's what Paul said. He says here, uh, night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face, that we might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Now, praying exceedingly uh, for, this is for the church. This is for the church at Thessalonica is what he's talking about. And then he goes on to say, Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you, to the end that he might establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Now there are several things in there that I I think we might be impressed with. And I'll just sort of start at the end. This is just something of an introductory uh, message related to his praying here. Uh, for the church and our praying for each other and praying for our church. But he talks about something that ought to interest every one of us. Down in the 13th verse about uh, at the end he might establish our hearts unblamable in holiness before God even the Father. At the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. One of these days that's going to happen. Jesus is coming back. And when that happens... Uh, of course, we've been studying on Wednesday nights things like what, how fast the twinkling of an eye is, and what the body's going to be like. And the last question that was asked related to that: What will our body be like? A uh, resurrected body be like? And of course, we uh, have discovered that in First Corinthians chapter 15, that exact same question was asked: What body will we be have? A resurrected body. Be like. And so that ought to interest us all. When we see a statement like that, and, and I encourage everybody, when you're reading the Bible, and I know that, uh, like, uh, attempt to read the Bible through, maybe in a year or something like that, uh, you know, we read and just move on. We have to move on. We can't stay in one place very long. But I've just reached the point in my walk with the Lord. That I just can't do it anymore, as you all probably can imagine, from me uh, grasping a hold of a passage of scripture and just not ever wanting to let it go because there's so much that is there, and that, that's just the way I have felt led. I've felt led to pre- preach that way uh, in many for many years now, and uh, so that's there are things that will jump out at us from a text. That's one. I'm not going to spend as much time on this text as I have others, simply because of what it says in verse number 12, For the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another, and toward all men, even as we do toward you. And I have in this uh, part of the series on praying, how you remember I brought that out. I preached really uh, in detail about what it means to increase and abound, especially what that word abound means. To look that up in the Bible, the way that's used in the Scripture is really uh, opens our mind to what, what He's actually praying for. And so I'm not going to spend as much time on it. I'll just say little things along as we go along. Now there's two things that I want to share with you tonight related to this passage. Just overall introductory or whatever you want to say, there's two things that immediately jumped out to me related to the passage of Scripture. They're both found in this, and I'm going to share with you related to that. Number one, I saw, as I have preached many times over and over and over, that it is just a fact. There's one thing that inspires and motivates literally everything we do in our walk in this life in serving the Lord, whatever you might want. to, There's only one thing that will motivate that. I talked about being faithful to the Lord a while ago. There's one thing. And if it's missing, there's nothing else will replace that. And that is the matter of love. It is the motivator. Why do we serve the Lord? We serve Him because we love Him. That's why. And you know what I, how I feel about that. It is a miraculous love. It's not something that we come up with. This matter of Christian love is not like human love. Maybe I'll share a little bit about that because I have taught on the words that are used in the Greek for love and what they all mean, and I've got it in a uh, fly leaf in my Bible, and I might share that with you, but I just want you to know there is a distinction between average or normal or human or however you might want to say, and that love that God puts in our heart when He saves us. It's that which motivates us. Now I want to, I want to point out from our text that this was true with the Apostle Paul. This just stands out to me. It stands out to me. And I'll share a little bit along that way. And then another point that I see in there, if we have time, is the uh, importance of the sincerity and intensity of our praying. And of course we would notice that from the opening statement that was made in verse 10 where Paul says, Night and day praying exceedingly. Night and day praying exceedingly now and I want to make some remarks about that because I think that that is very important now first of all the fact that love motivates our praying else we don't pray we just don't pray now I think anybody who give much thought to what I've shared with you about the prayers that we find for the church and that we could Take that and say, Lord, I know it's okay. I know it's okay, Lord, for me to pray that our love may increase and abound for one another. You know, that's an awesome thing. It's an awesome thing. Somebody made a remark to me not long ago, a week or two, or whatever. They just made this remark that so and so just don't love me anymore. And of course, if, if it's related to a Christian, they may not have ever... You see what I'm saying? Because one of the difference between a natural love that somebody out here that was not saved would have, the, the difference is that it can go away. And we, we hear all the time like uh, somebody will, might call me up and say, Preacher, I want you to pray for me. I need your prayer. My husband or my wife just told me they didn't love me anymore. And see, that love can come and go. Right? It can come and go. But I'm preaching tonight about a different kind of love. I'm preaching about one that don't ever go away. It never goes away. And t- you know when I've had the experience in the ministry of time and miles and distance that has uh, come about between myself and, and brothers and sisters that are scattered around this country and, and, and that love has never diminished at all. And theirs for myself hasn't diminished. Uh, there, there there, are people Sue and I know and have known for 40 years, 35, 40 years. And that, that love is as strong as it ever was. And that's the way agape love is, is in that way. And so uh, to point that out, I want to share with you a little bit of the experience of the Apostle Paul. Because I think there's something miraculous in his experience with the with this church at Thessalonica, and uh, uh, this spirit-inspired love, and it's what it is. And I can illustrate that with something of his experience here. Now, here's what I'm going to share with you. Uh, the timeline was not sufficient to explain. His love for the church and the church's love for him. The timeline don't. And I want to share with you just a little bit, I hope this is not a boring thing that I'll I'll share with you, about Paul's experience with this church at Thessalonica. Now, in order to do that, I want you to look with me at Acts chapter 16. Acts and chapter 16. And uh, you'll see what I'm talking about here. Acts in the sixteenth chapter, and the whole uh, whole sixteenth chapter uh, is pretty awesome. The whole chapter is, and uh, the the Bible is telling us here is going to give us a little timeline here related to uh, it's Paul and Silas and Timothy. Those three, those three, <clears throat> and so. Uh, in the, in this 16th chapter, uh, it says, um, uh, tells us here, uh, verse number five, and so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Now, verse number six, notice this. Now, when they had gone, now this is Paul and Silas and Timothy, and when they had gone throughout Phrygia, and the regions of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Now we may wonder, well, how, how did that happen? Uh, how does the Holy Spirit uh, put a roadblock, so to speak, in some direction that we might be taking? And He does do that. I don't know what He did on this particular uh, point, other than the fact that the Bible says that they were forbidden. They weren't. They weren't allowed of the Holy Spirit to go there. In other words, what they were doing, like all of us in our life, as we travel along, we want to follow the will and the leadership of God. Amen. We want to do what pleases the Lord, and the reason we want to do that because we love Him, and we love. And all else just takes secondary place related to that. But it says uh, that they were forbidden of the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Then it says in verse 7, And after they had come to Mysia, and assayed to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit suffered them not. In other words, it happened again. Now, I may some of you may have had some kind of experience in your Christian walk. If you've known the Lord for many years, you may look back, and I certainly have done that. I certainly have done that. You know, Oftentimes we don't know what the will is of of God for a the time being. And we struggle maybe. And we pray a lot about that. And uh, then we do the best we can to do the will of the Lord in our life. And we may not quite understand why. Uh, I, I know one time, I'll just give you this little story. I, I know one time there was this church... It had the most beautiful facility that you ever looked at. It was humongous, a big old church. I'm not going to tell you what church it was or what town or whatever. And I get a phone call from this man and he said, I'm the chairman of the search committee, the pulpit committee. We don't have a pastor and we're interested in you. And we want you to send us a resume. And I answered that like I've answered a couple over the years, you know, uh related to that. Jack Hiles did that. He used to pastor up in Indiana and a church did him that way and he said, I don't do resumes. You want a preacher, you pray one down <laughs> and I refuse to do it. Well, buddy, right here they come. I mean they just they just was proud and determined and everything. And they uh, anyway, uh, over a period of time, the church come to a place to vote, to, to, call, to extend a call to me to be their pastor. And it was unanimous. And they told me that it had never happened in the history of that church. A unanimous vote to call anybody. And I turned them down. I didn't go. And for a long time I thought, you know, did I make a mistake or whatever? I mean, this is a real promotion for a pastor to go to a church like that and everything. Well, several years later, I found out that the Holy Spirit did not allow me, would not let me or whatever, and I just flat told him, No, I'm I'm not coming or whatever, you know. And I found out why, you know, and some of you may have had experiences like that in life where you didn't do something, you didn't understand why you wasn't doing it. There just was something you didn't feel right about it or whatever. And you maybe find out years later, boy, that wasn't the will of God and it's a good thing I didn't, didn't do this or didn't do that or didn't go here or there. But it's telling us here about Paul and Silas and Timothy as they struggle to find the will of God. And then it said, uh, verse 8, and they passing through sea and Troas, verse 9, here it is. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night that... Uh, there stood a man of Macedonia. Now, this is where we're taking our text from. Uh, is uh, in Macedonia, and uh, this is the location. And praying him, saying, "Come over into Macedonia and help us." He saw that in a vision. Now, folks, I just tell you, God don't lead us that way anymore. Now, there were visions and there were dreams. There were speak, God actually speaking to people audibly uh, in the Bible. But here is what I believe about that. Once we had God's Word and we had it completely and we had everything that we need to know is found in this dear book. Amen. And I believe that we find the will of God the way God wants us to find the will of God and seek that will, and we we do that, we have all the revelation that God is going to give to us in His Word. And so I just wanted to say that this happened to them, but it doesn't happen today, because at that time they did not have the Bible, the New Testament. They didn't have it complete. And so God is leading them in that way. And so it says, after He had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assured a gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. And and then listen to what he did. Therefore, loosing from Troas, uh, we came uh, with a straight course to Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, uh, which is a city, a part of Macedonia, and a colony, of that city about a certain date. And we know the Bible tells us that several things happened in this whole chapter. While they were there, they uh, come into contact with Lydia. She was a seller of purple and she was a very religious lady and not saved. She was not saved. And the Bible says that she heard the gospel and uh, whose heart the Lord opened. Isn't that amazing? Whose heart the Lord opened. I preached this morning about being apprehended of the Lord and the, the work of God, God in bringing us to Himself. You know, there are people who just don't like to think that way. They like to think, I came to the Lord myself. I, and we want to take credit for it. All the credit for it. Uh, but the, this this poor lady, she would have never been saved if this hadn't happened. It says, Whose heart the Lord uh, opened and she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And she was saved, of course. And then the Bible would tell, uh, would teach us the last verse in the chapter. We believe that that is when the church at Philippi was established in the home of Lydia. But anyway, it goes on. And uh, Paul was being followed by a woman who was uh, involved in witchcraft, and she was telling people's fortune and everything. And don't be amazed at that because people can do that. They really can. Uh, I've said this often Time there's two powers in work in this world. One is the Holy Spirit and the other is devils, demons. You know, me and Sue was watching a little bit about uh, that. That what happened to Guyana. You know, and all of those people who followed that man and committed suicide... And I said, "Sue, there's only one way that could happen, and it had to be demon possession that caused that. You know, the devil will kill people, and he could he could have killed um, could have killed old. uh, 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 uh. Well, anyway, God didn't let him. (laughs) Said you can do whatever you want to to him." Job, that's it. Amen, brother. Thank you, buddy. Old Job, the devil would have killed him if God had let him. I want to tell you something. The devil would kill you too if God would let him. You better get on the right side and hang on. to, Because the Bible tells us that Satan can do whatever he pleases with anyone who's not saved. Anyone. Whatever he pleases. He takes control of them at will, the Bible says. And so being saved is a good thing. It'll protect you from the devil. But anyway, she was a fortune teller and she was making her handler a lot of money and she was uh, following Paul and their group around and and saying different things. And you know what she even said, cried and saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God which show us the way of salvation. You might say, well that was a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. But Paul stopped and cast the demon out of her. How many of you know that a demon-possessed person can actually say the right stuff? If the devil wants to deceive you, you know the Bible says this, that there are preachers who are, appear as angels of light. I hope you don't think you're listening to one tonight. <laughs> There's ways to know the difference, by the way. And appear in a, the devil using preachers Surely that's not true. It is true. And the Bible says that. The Bible says that. Anyway, he cast the demon out and they got mad. Her handlers did. And they caught Paul and Silas and they beat them all up and throw them in prison. And uh, that's when they were singing uh, at midnight and the Lord sent an earthquake and released them from the prison and they... Led the prison keeper to the Lord and uh, all of his family and and uh, they uh, was all baptized and everything was wonderful but anyway, I told you that to tell you this is god this is God bringing about the them into uh, into uh, Thessalonica uh, where we're reading about tonight and their stay at Philippi but I want you to know that all of that was very short. Paul and Silas and Timothy's experience with those people was very short. And they had preached the gospel. And uh, they would sown uh, the good seed. And the Lord had blessed it. And, uh, and a relationship was established. As a matter of fact, I looked this up to see how long that Paul spent there. And he was preaching in their synagogue on three Sabbaths. And that's when they had to usher him out of there. And so he, he was with them that short a period of time. And what I'm saying is, it's a tribute to the Holy Spirit, what he did, accomplished in that period of time. You know, when the Spirit of the Lord is with the Word of God, the preaching or teaching of the Word, or even in our personal and private Bible study time when the Spirit of God is working in our lives, great things are accomplished. And what I'm saying, I guess, is that there wasn't enough time here for this kind of love that Paul had for this church. And of course, we find the language of that love in chapter number 1 of this book. I'll read verse 5 through verse 8. He says this For our gospel came not unto you In word only You see Now I may stand up here and preach And it may be word only it May not amount to too much You understand what I'm saying in word, Not in word only But also in the power of the Holy Ghost You say preacher Well you need to preach in the power of the Holy Ghost I hope I am as the Lord leads But you know what It's two way It may come from the preaching But it also needs to land in the heart of and so of the hearer, Uh, and in much assurance, knowing what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction and with joy of the Holy Ghost, uh, so that you were examples to all that were in Macedonia and Achaia, because it says that from... You sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. Awesome things happened. Awesome things happened. And you know, that's the way God, God works. And then we find in chapter number 2 something of his love that is expressed. Look in verse 17 through verse 20 of chapter 2. But we, we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore, we would have come to you, even I, Paul, once and again. But Satan hindered us. We learned earlier about the Holy Spirit not forbidding them to go. But here it says that Satan hindered, hindered us. How many of you know Satan can hinder you. For what is our hope or our joy? A crown of rejoicing are not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming for you are our glory and our joy. Now I've said all that to say this, that God had produced in Paul's heart an awesome love for these people no matter the fact that he had spent such short period of time with them and we find language like that in the scriptures uh, in the book of Philippians in chapter 4 and verse 1 listen to the way these words are therefore my brethren dearly beloved and longed for my joy and crown so stand fast in the Lord my dearly beloved what? this is Paul he's talking to the church at Philippi here he says, my dearly beloved, and long for, my joy and crown. Oh, what if all of the members of the church felt that way about the church? And I thought of another one in in the little book of 3 John. And John expresses something uh, like that too. And in, in the book of 3 John, and I'll start reading in verse number 4, and we'll come to the verse. Uh, the elder of the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love, in the truth, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper in and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. I've thought about this a lot of times, that very verse there. We all want to be in good health. We try, you know, we try to be in good health. And the older we get, the harder it is to be in good health. Harder it is to uh, keep our weight under control and to... Have good health because age takes its toll on us. And I want to tell you, I believe that in that verse, there is a connection between the condition of the soul and the health of the body. I believe that. Now notice what he said again. But I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. So Lord, help my soul to prosper and maybe I'll be in better health. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth uh, that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. And here it is in verse 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. You see, that's a caring attitude. That is a caring attitude. You know, I can relate to that. You know, I love the Lord. I mean... It's not a boastful statement that I do because I tell you all the time I can't take credit for that because He's the one done it. He's the one put it in my heart. I love the Lord. And you know what? I love the church I pastor too. I do. I really sincerely do. And I can't take any credit and glory for that. And I wish everybody felt toward the Lord and toward the church as I do. I really do. That is, That would be my hope. And, you know, if you want to pray for your church, just say, Lord, help everybody, like the prayer is in our text here, that their love may increase and abound for one another. And boy, what a difference it makes, you see. And uh, we've, had, we've heard testimony from people who have uh, visited our church that they could tell that the people really love the Lord. And if you love the Lord, you're going to love His church. If you don't love the church, how in the world could you love the Lord? You see what I'm saying? How could it be possible? So that love is there. And then I want to spend a little time, because I noted the sincerity and the intensity of his praying. Verse number 10. Here's what he said. Night and day praying exceedingly. Praying exceedingly. Now I'll make some reference as we go on in this passage Scripture about what Paul's desire was. Uh, for the well-being of the church at Thessalonica. But, the here's how I know about the intensity. That word praying in our text, you know what that word is? It is interpreted beseeching in other places in the Bible. You see, there is prayer, there's prayer, there is, uh, well the Bible talks about this in Philippians and the 4th, chapter where it says be careful for nothing but in everything in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving these are things that are a part of our prayer life the prayer and then supplication is pleading or beseeching this is the word that paul used in the greek for talking about the way he was praying another place that you would find that is in the book of luke and it's in the fifth chapter And I'm going to read in verse number 12, chapter 5, and verse number 12. And here's what it says, 12 through 14. Listen to this. And it came to pass when he, this is Christ, was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus, fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if Thou wilt, Thou can make me clean. Now that's the word besought. The same Greek word as praying night and day in Paul's language there. How many of you think tonight this was sincere? If you had leprosy, if you lived in that day, and there was no cure for it, and you were, you were facing a lifetime of pain and suffering and separation from everybody that you loved, how many of you would want more than anything in the world for the Lord to hear your pleading? You would want it. You would desire it, and that's what this leper was. And it goes on the same verse 13. And he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, "I will be thou clean." And immediately the leprosy departed from him. And he charged him, "Tell no man, but go and show thyself to the priest and offer." for thy cleansing according to Moses' commandment, for a testimony unto them. For a testimony unto them. I don't know what they thought about the fact when that leper said, Jesus healed me. They didn't like it. They didn't like it, I know. But anyway, that's what this word praying is. Now you see, there can be praying that is cold, mechanical, indifferent, flowery even. I've told y'all a story about how that, you know, when I pray and when, when these men lead in prayer in our church, uh, they pray as they're led of the Lord to pray. I know they do. I've never known anybody at a manual to have anything wrote down before they pray. <laughs> I don't do it. Our men don't do it. They pray from their heart. And uh I've told you all the story about how that I've had funeral services many times over the years with some minister not of uh the same as myself, but uh, more uh, uh well, you, you what was it? Yeah, yeah, some other uh that that do things different from the way we do things and i I shouldn't have done it, I know I'm confessing tonight, but they would <laughs> lead in prayer, and I have my head bowed and my eyes closed, and I'm hearing something that don't sound like the person that's doing the praying. It just don't sound right, you know what I'm saying, and I peep. <laughs> And they're reading it out of a book. I don't have any use for that kind of praying. So what the text is telling us here, when it emphasizes the sincerity uh, and the intensity of his praying, is that there can be prayers that are not sincere and they're not intense. Intense. Amen. I mean, there really can be. I know you all probably have never heard anything like that, but I have. I have, and uh, I won't name any of these denominations that does that kind of thing. They'll always be dressed in a certain way, different from everybody else, and and everything. And I might be there in a in, 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 a, in a sport coat and tie, and they but they're in a they're decked out, got a big collar on or something like that. I'm about to let it go, ain't I? <laughs> And and uh, but here's what he's talking about. Pa, uh, John said, James said this rather in five sixteen, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now I want to say in closing tonight, we just need to be careful because sometimes our prayers God don't hear. He don't hear them. Now, we all understand something. God tries and tests our sincerity sometimes. We may, and I'm guilty. Might just whisper a prayer. It just kind of comes in our mind, you know, and everything. Oh, God bless, oh, so-and-so. And and move on. (laughs) And just move on. And think, now, Lord, I know you didn't hear that. I know you didn't listen to that. Because there wasn't no intensity or sincerity on the part of my praying. And then stop and maybe go get down on my knees and confess, first of all, that my prayer was cold and indifferent and uh, mechanical. You see what I'm saying? So, listen, the next time you feel like God's not hearing your prayer, stop and think, maybe I'm not sincere enough and maybe the Lord is testing my sincerity by impressing on me that he didn't hear that or he didn't listen to that, and so it's important. First of all, and I want to I want to reiterate in closing. Number one, love is the motivator for prayer. Without it, there'll be uh, there may be I'm not saying there will be, but there may be people who are members of a manual church, and you you have listened to these messages and it's possible that you've never prayed for none of this. And the reason that we don't is because we just don't care enough. If we cared enough, we would say, Lord, help me to pray in a way that be pleasing in Thy sight and in Thy ears. Help me to offer up my sacrifice in prayer. And I want to emphasize that. Love motivates that or it's not done. Secondly, is that the sincerity and intensity of our prayers are the ones that the Lord hears. And so put them two together and they're both there in the text. They're both there. I've illustrated how Paul loved these people even being with them just a short period of time. He loved them so much he wanted to come back and he spells out some of the reasons why in our text that we've read. And then his... Sincere and intense prayer. Praying night and day exceedingly. Night and day exceedingly. Have you ever had anything on your heart that you prayed night and day about? I've got a couple more passages. Time permit me to get to them tonight about that, that kind of praying. I may share them with you the next time we address this passage of Scripture. You know there's a couple of passages of Scripture in the Bible that talks about Praying that just didn't give up. Y'all know the story about the Syrophoenician woman. Jesus told her I was not sent but to the uh, house of Israel or however he said that. And uh, don't give the bread to the dogs or however. She said, oh, but the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the table. And the Lord said, woman, your faith, your prayer is answered. (laughs) And so, and then there's another place in the book of Luke talks, gives the illustration of a king who was aggravated by somebody to get what they wanted and then he teaches that the Lord don't do that. He answers our prayers. So thank you for your attention tonight and let's stand together and I'll lead us in this closing prayer. Father, we praise you and thank you for this privilege we've had together tonight and to share these things from this passage of Scripture. And my prayer is that everybody's heart might be touched by these two things that I've seen in there, just like my heart has been, and I've learned from that. Lord, and help us to understand when we attend the services that we ought to always have a prayer on our heart that, Lord, You'd teach me what You want me to know. You'd help me see what you want me to see. So, Father, I pray, O oh Lord, that it might touch our hearts, that we might think about our own personal prayer life in relation to these things that are found in our text. So bless us as we sing a closing number. In Jesus' name and for His sake we pray. Amen. Brother Aaron, lead us with